Hey everyone, welcome to the Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is Carol Ann Flood, and I'm the worship director here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Our mission is simple, to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. So whether you've been following Jesus your whole life, or your journey has just begun, we hope that this message will help you draw near to the person of Jesus, be challenged and encouraged by His Word, and be moved to action. We hope these next few moments are a blessing to you and equip you to see who God really is and who you are in Him. Well, I think we're all wondering the same thing. How in the world did I marry her, right? She is definitely the better half. Um, And so if you came in questioning the existence of God, um, I am a very real miracle that God is definitely there. So, um, man, I'm I'm really excited to teach this morning. And uh, I'm going to teach on a text that God has just really been speaking to me for a while now. And uh, it's it's on this concept of fear. And that's not an area much of us like to go and dig in. So we'll get a little heavy. And so what I want to do is just start off uh, making fun of myself and my fears a little bit. So hopefully that will set the table. I, uh, I'm afraid of um, one thing, and many of us, you're uh, afraid of maybe something that's um, big to you but small to others. You know what I'm saying? That, that one thing that it's like, man, I'm, I'm afraid of snakes. Most, some people are afraid of snakes, but most people aren't, right? Anyone afraid of snakes? That's a big one. Okay, so there's a few. Um, we all have that thing, right? That likely we're afraid of it, but most people are not. And my thing is heights. I hate heights. I'm freaked out about it. Uh, I really believe it's the reason God made me short because he knew that when I stand up, if I was tall, I would just be afraid. Um, I just can't stand heights. Um, I embody the opposite of heights. So I, uh, it's something that I just can't stand. And um, last June, we, had, we bought a multifamily house and, and we had an inspector come in to kind of just tell us what was going on with it. And he gets up on the roof um, and then he comes back uh, down with some bad news and he says, you know, your chimney, you don't have a cap. And so every time it rains, you're going to have some issues. And uh, I found out from experience, yeah, we had an unintended indoor pool that would happen every time it rained. Um, and as much as I like a pool, that's not what I had in mind. So um, it was very clear that I had to take care of this. But again, to remind you, I don't like heights. So I ignored it for about six months, just in time for winter to hit. And I thought, man, this is a good time to take care of that. Uh, to actually take care of the issue that's been an issue for the last six months. So I get out my extension ladder. Uh, Mariah comes out with me. She holds the, the base. I climb up. And I get to the point where I can see the roof. And to my surprise, it was covered in like sheets of ice and snow. And so most reasonable, intelligent people would have climbed right down and just picked a different day. I am neither reasonable and I am not intelligent, so I decided to just go ahead and get up on the roof and do the thing. Um, I'm pretty stubborn, so I was like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm getting up there and I'm going to do this and, and that's going to be the end. So I'm, I'm standing up at the top and I'm, I'm getting like real nervous now because I'm like looking, like never look down if you want encouragement, like don't look down. And I'm looking down, I'm like, oh, this is a long ways. Like I kept asking Mariah, like, do you got it? And she's like, I got it. And finally, after about 10 minutes, I just like mustered up the courage to kind of get up there. And so I climb up, um, put the cap on. And one thing I didn't consider is it's a lot harder going down than it is going up. 
And it was already sketchy because the ladder really wasn't even tall enough to get up to the third story, but I just made it work. And so I slide down to get off. And um, the moment where panic really set in is when my feet were hanging off the edge and I knew I was going to have to like step down to like get down and I could possibly fall and, you know, smack on the ground. And so I'm like freaking out. And there was one moment where I like my, you know, the moment where you just start unraveling and I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Um, you know, I'm like a cat in the tree. Are, are we going to call the fire department? Are they going to have to rescue me? And I'm just like thinking um, super fast and just freaking out. And there was a moment where I realized that I was in big trouble and I'd had zero confidence that I could stay up on the roof. And so like in a moment, it's like all the testosterone left my body and I just cried out, I'm scared. And I just shrieked like, like I was like a six-year-old and Mariah starts laughing and I'm not like, nothing was funny guys. Like I wasn't having a good time. I wasn't laughing, but Mariah was having a blast and I wouldn't find this out until later, but Mariah laughed and said, you're fine. You can do it. And deep down, she was like praying like, God, don't let my husband splat on the cement and die. Um, and so long story short, I, uh, just laid there with my feet off the, the, um, you know, the roof for about, I don't know, 10 minutes. And, uh, eventually I mustered up the courage, got on my knees and then just took a step of faith and just got the rowing. And then I climbed down guys. I hate heights. Um, obviously I didn't die cause I'm here to tell about it. Um, uh, but I felt like I was going to die and man, that was just an unraveling, um, moment for me. And what's interesting is all throughout scripture, um, it talks more about fear and, and the things we're afraid of than it does even about love. Like the word fear is mentioned more than love, which to me, that shocked me. And I think God really knows our woundedness and, and he knows maybe that we love him and, and we believe in him, but God knows that we're afraid. God knows that all of us have something that we wrestle with and we're constantly having to be reminded, don't be afraid. And I definitely needed that encouragement. And my wife showed up big and, and helped me through that. Um, and so how many of you in the room, you're afraid of something? Hands up. All right, ask your neighbor, what are you afraid of? Ask them, go ahead. Don't tell them, don't tell them. We're not there yet, we'll get there. Um, chances are all of us are afraid of something. For you, it might, it might be me, you know, the heights thing. For you, it might be snakes. It might be spiders. It might be you know, Elmer's glue, you know, there's whatever, irrational fears. We all got those things. Chances are Elmer's glue. I don't know where that came from, but must've been the Holy Spirit. Um, but I'll tell you what, I think all of us, if we were willing to admit, if we were willing to come to the table and be honest, I bet we have fears that we wouldn't laugh about, that we have real fears that we're not comfortable letting people into. Chances are we have fears that even just the sound of it or the thought of it, we just want to bury and hide. I think all of us have something like that. And so as I, as I unpack this morning, we're going to be going through 2 Kings, and, and it's, it's a war of Israel and Aram. Um, and what's ironic is, is the passage I'm talking about is on war, but as I was prepping for this, I had no idea I was going to preach today because we have Memorial Day tomorrow. And, and I just felt like uh, God wanted me to just take a moment um, and to remember those who went to battle for us and lost their life. And so if you would join me, I just want to lift that up in prayer. And so, Lord, we come to you with fears. And God, maybe for some of us in the room, we went to war or we lost somebody 
in war and, and, and there's fear around that. And so God, God, you just, you died for us. God, you paid the ultimate price, God. And there's people who've been uh, through wars for years who died and paid a price so that we could have freedom. And so Lord, we just wanna lift that up to you to pray and thank and honor them, but also, God, that you would step in and, and give us a heart of gratitude this weekend to know the real reason why we celebrate it. So, Lord, we love you. God, we just commission that to you. Um, in Jesus' name, we pray. And so, uh, like I mentioned, we're, we're really going to dive into uh, a war between Israel and Aram. And um, uh, what's going to happen here is I'm going to paint the context for us, and it'll kind of help us know a little bit of where we're going and, and what that looks like. Um, and so I'm going to be turning to 2 Kings 6, 8 through 14. So if you want to flip with us there, otherwise I'll read it for us. So it's 2 Kings 6, verses 8 through 14. And so here's what it says. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel. None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go find out where he is, the king, of, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back, he is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. And so basically what we have is we have the king of Aram that really wanted to attack the king of Israel and his people. And he's trying to plan uh, a time when he could go and surprise them and attack them. The problem is, is Elisha gets in the way. And the text literally, it says, it says the prophet or Elisha, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. So in other words, Elisha was like queued up with God and, and he was letting him know, hey, this is when it's going to happen, warn your people. So now Elisha's kind of an issue because the king of Aram wants to attack and Elisha knows. It's like he's in his bedroom just listening to the plan. Um, and so what ends up happening is we get to a place where the, the, you know, the, they come into the, the city of Israel and they surround the entire place at night. So that way they can catch the, the Israelites um, by surprise and actually go in and attack. And so the story picks up with the servant. Uh, the servant of Elisha was the first one to realize that the army was there. And so in 2 Kings 6.15, this is where it picks up. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? Church, read that with me. Oh no, my Lord. What shall we do? The servant asked. Have you ever had an oh no moment? Where you got an army in front of you? Or you got a thing, a situation in front of you? And your immediate response is like the servant? Oh no. Like we're done. There's no way out. And maybe you're like the, you're like the, you're, you're the servant, the servant standing there. He sees this army that wants to kill him and he's having an oh no moment. 
For us, right, we're probably, probably not going to come into a situation like that. But maybe your situation is, man, oh no, every time my boss walks in my office, I'm afraid I might get fired because I've been fired so many times before. Or maybe it's whenever you get around a group of people, just fear is emitted in you because you've been bullied before and you try to get out of that situation at all costs. Or maybe it's anytime you get in an argument with your spouse, you're worried that it might lead to divorce because that's happened in your past. I think all of us have those oh no moments where when we're confronted in certain situations, our response is oh no. And the servant of Elisha, he was confronted with a seemingly impossible situation, right? If we can identify with the servant for a minute, man, he had a whole army that wanted to kill him. That's a problem. I don't want to diminish what was going on. That was a real problem. And so he's confronted with this this situation of, oh no. And I think the problem is, is what happens is all of us kind of get sucked into this cycle of, oh no. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? I know in my life, there are, there are situations and seasons where I'm confronted and my response is always the same. Oh no, what are we gonna do here? And so what ends up happening is we get in this place where we're just living out the cycle of hopelessness, defeat. We wake up every morning and it's like, God, it'll never be different. Like I'm stuck, like there's no way out. I can't see anything different and I don't think it'll change. And I'll be the first to admit, I've had seasons and thoughts like that. And what I want you to hear and what I want you to know is that that's not what God wants for your life and and you can get out of it. And God wants to invite us out of that. And so let me illustrate it this way. Um, What the servant of Elisha was experiencing was a cycle of fear. And so the servant, he's there, Elisha's here. The servant sees this huge army and what is his response? Oh, no. All right, you're listening. We're tracking. And so his response is, oh, no. And so his situation is that he has an army that wants to kill him. That's a big deal. And his response as a result is, oh, no. And we're going to get to the outcome here in a minute. But what what we need to hear is uh, the outcome was good, but not because of his response. His response did not add anything to the situation. I, I think we all identify with that, uh, me included, of like, man, oh no is a pretty appropriate response to an army that wants to kill you. Right? But that's not, that's not what God was hoping for him. That's not the response that I think was needed. I think it was the emotional response, but maybe not the response that was needed. And so the question we have to ask is, well, well then what's the real problem? If the problem wasn't the situation or if the problem was in the army, then what was the problem? I think sometimes what happens is we try to change and control this. We try to control the situation, right? And maybe you've been there if you've heard somebody say, well, you know, this city, like I hate this city, so I'm going to move. The problem is their problems just follow them. You, know, you guys tracking with me? And, and what we do is we try to change situations thinking, well, if I just got, get out of this situation or if I move, maneuver this or get out of this relationship, then I'm good because the problem is the situation. And oftentimes we try to control outcomes, right? We try to control this because we're really hoping for a good outcome. Can I just tell you, this is like God's territory. Like, like we can't control that. And we try to, 
and we want to because we want good outcomes and, and we want different situations, the only thing on here that we can control is our response. That's it. That's the only thing we can control is our response. And the servant's response was, oh, no. And so the real problem is actually how we respond. That is the real problem. And we have to realize that for the servant, there was physical things going on. But that wasn't actually the real problem, and we'll see why later. The real problem was he responded in fear. He responded, oh, no, and that is not how God wired him to be or to do. And so as we continue in the story, that's the servant's perspective. And I got to be honest with you, I probably identify more with him than anyone in the story. And God's working on me. And that's part of why I'm sharing this, not as an expert, but as somebody that's learning. And I think a lot of us, we, we probably really identify with the servant. You're constantly in situations. And time and time again, we end up in this cycle of fear of, oh, no, nothing will change. Nothing will shift. But there's a different perspective, and it comes from Elisha. Elisha's the prophet. So you have Elisha, you have the servant, and you have the army. The servant's perspective is fear, and then Elisha has a little bit different response. This one's in 2 Kings 16. It says this, Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. I gotta be honest, like, if I'm the servant in the story, what I'm thinking is like, dude, Elisha, did you pass math class? Like, there's an entire army and two of us. Like, and, and this is what you have to say, like, don't be afraid, there's more of us than them. It's like, man, not only are we gonna die, but like, he's delusional. Like, that's what the servant, if I'm the servant, man, that's what I'm thinking. But Elisha saw something that the servant didn't see. And so the question we have to ask is, well, what did Elisha see that the servant didn't? Because we already talked about what the servant saw. The servant saw his grave, right? He's like, yeah, we're dead. But Elisha saw something different. He said, don't be afraid, the, pro the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And what I want to offer uh, this morning is, is this thought. How we respond to physical realities will determine our spiritual reality. I'm going to say that one more time. How we respond to physical realities, the physical things, situations, things playing out in our life, how we respond to those will actually determine spiritually how we're experiencing and going through life. And so when we look at the issue, the problem is not physical. More often than not, I think we want it to be because we can see it and try to just manipulate it and control it. Honestly, though, most of the time, our problem isn't the physical thing in front of us. There's a spiritual gap that we experience and whether or not our response leans into that normally dictates our outcome and, and how we go through life. And so 2 Kings 17, it walks us a little bit deeper uh, of what Elisha is inviting us into this morning. So here's what it says. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Church, let's read that together. Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. 
And so to illustrate this, um, we, have to, we have to remember that the servant and Elisha are confronted with the exact same situation, right? The servant submitted to fear because of the army, and then Elisha's here, and his response is, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. That's Elisha's response. And so to illustrate it this way, we looked at the cycle of uh, fear before Elisha is leaning into what I want to call the cycle of faith. He's in the situation, It's Elisha and the servant, same situation. Here's the difference. Elisha's response was, don't be afraid, open his eyes, Lord. What's interesting is he wasn't even praying for himself. He's like, we got this. We have this invisible army and we're good to go. But the guy next to me, he's crumbling and he needs some help. And so his prayer is, I'm full of faith. I I, I see the army. I know that we're good. And so God, open his eyes. It wasn't something that Elisha could change in him. This was a spiritual prayer. The servant was blind and Elisha knew that the only way he wasn't gonna crumble in fear is if he prayed, God, open his eyes. He prays, open his eyes. The servant's eyes are open and he sees that they have this entire army that would completely slaughter what's in front of them. And we'll get to the outcome in a minute, but the outcome was good because of Elisha's response. The servant of the man, he didn't offer much to that situation. He said, oh no. And Elisha said, don't be afraid, open your eyes. There's more than what's on the outside happening and playing out right now. How we respond to physical realities will determine our spiritual reality. And the reality is, is we're, we're either the, the prophet, we're either Elisha living in a, a cycle and season of faith, and we're linked into that, or we're the servant. And we're locked in a cycle of fear and dread and doubt and security. And we just play out in that. And like I mentioned, the problem is not what's physically going on around us. Our problem is actually not really even the situations we're in. The problem is our response. We have a response problem. And that's the only thing that we can actually link into and change. The rest of it, situations and outcomes, that's God's. Don't touch it. When we try to touch it, it messes everything up. But the reason we do that is because, man, we we go through life and we go through really tough stuff and we want to get out. So we get desperate. And so what God is inviting us into this morning is to move from, oh, no, to open eyes. To move from, oh, no, my marriage is on the rocks to, God, open my eyes. What am I not seeing? We move from, oh no, I'm gonna lose my job to open my eyes, Lord. Is this possibly good? Are you doing something deeper? We go from a place of, oh no, why are things playing out the way they are to open my eyes, Lord. I know that you're here. Help me to see it. And so the invitation is to leave our oh no and to open eyes and to step into that. And that's what God's calling us to. And I just want to offer something because I feel like when there's an issue, we immediately get into fix it mode. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? And like, and sometimes it's like, you're not even fixing the thing. You're like in your house, like fixing physical things. Cause you're so messed up here that you're just like, well, if I just fix this stuff, it'll get better. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Or am I that messed up? All right. Some of you getting it. So we go into fix it mode. And the problem with that is, is, if the problem is not really physical, if it's not really our situations, 
then it's something deeper. It's something more rooted within us. And the question I want to ask us is, well, what if God doesn't want to change your and my situation? He wants to change us. What if the problem is not uh, that you're in this situation that you can't see out of and it's just a nightmare? What if that's not the problem? The problem is actually how you're responding. And that's really hard for us because everywhere else in the world you go, they're just going to say, well, if this is the problem, just fix it and do something different. It's not that easy. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then we're not even having a conversation because that's not an option. But if you do love the Lord, demonstrate that and, and lock into it. And it's so hard to do. And I'm not speaking from a place of like winning this all the time. Man, I struggle with this. But I think God has something to offer and to invite us into. And so the servant we know what would have happened if he was alone. <laughs> he would have been dead. But Elisha was there. He, he said, open my eyes, Lord. The army shows up. And so now we got to ask a question. All right, how, did, how does it end? All right, Elisha stepped in. He was a man of faith and it kind of shifted things. So how does the story end? So I'll, I'll, I'll link us into that. In 2 Kings six twenty three. here's what it says. So he prepared a great feast for them. And after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. I think what's interesting is, so the army comes, they have a feast with them, and then they send them off, and then they never attack again. I think what's interesting about that is Elisha was never afraid of that army. If he was afraid, he would have done earlier in the text. I don't have it up here, but everyone was like, all right, so we should kill him, right? And Elisha's like, no, because they're not really the problem, and we're good. And so they feed him and they send him off and they never attack again. I, I just find it interesting that Elisha had something that when I read that, I'm like, God, I don't know if I had that. He had a whole army that wanted to kill him and he has the audacity to like feed him and then send him off. What? I think Elisha had a depth in a trust in God, in a faith in God that I hunger for and I think all of us hunger for. And here's what I want to say about that. I really do believe that uh, when we respond in faith, I do think God wants to bless our outcomes. I think more often than not, God really, when we're faithful and when we're surrendered and we're uh, you know, be submitting to his, his design for our life, I really do think oftentimes the outcome ends up being favorable because he just wants us. He just wants our obedience. But I don't think anyone in this room is naive enough to think that A plus B equals C. Because more often than not, you read scripture, I'm like, man, what does all that mean? And it's not always clean cut like that. And there are times where we step out in faith and the outcome isn't what we thought. There are times where we step out and we pray for the person in our life that has cancer, but then they end up passing away and we were praying for healing. There are times where we were praying and asking God, heal my marriage, and then it resulted in divorce. And we were so persistent in prayer. Or there was times where we're really praying for that job and we get in the interview and then we don't get it. There are so many instances where I think we step out in faith and the outcome isn't quite what we expect. And what I want to offer this morning is, man, the more that I just journey, I think it's less about situations and outcomes and more about response. Because we really just can't control situations and outcomes. 
Our answer is not a physical answer, it's a spiritual one. It's something deeply rooted, it's something that we're, we're experiencing. And so the, the big question we have to wrestle down is, well, what if I respond in faith and the outcome isn't what I hoped for? Or the outcome turns out bad, then what? Then your little faith formula doesn't work, right? There was a moment in scripture, we all know the story, when Jesus was crucified, he was on the cross, and he had, uh, and, and we all know this, he was innocent, so he was being crucified for things that weren't even true. And he uh, had two people on his right and left that were crucified next to him, and they were both uh, convicted of some kind of crime. And one of the people speaks up and says, what we all do, right? Speaks up and starts to question. Aren't you the Messiah? Like, we're up here, we're being crucified. Like, aren't you the Messiah? Can't you save us? Can't, like, don't you see physically what's going on? Like, this is not good. Like, you're on the cross and so are we. This isn't good. He had an oh no perspective. All he saw was what was physically going on and his response was oh no. Aren't you the Messiah? What are we going to do? Because things look bleak. And the criminal on the other side uh, asked him a question that I'm sure this guy didn't appreciate. He said, don't you fear God? Don't you fear God? Don't you understand that this is part of his plan? Don't you understand that Jesus is up here not by accident, but because this is the path? That guy had an open-your-eyes perspective. He saw the oh-no perspective and said, nope, we're not going there. Don't you fear God. He had an open-your-eyes perspective, and he was offering that. And the guy asked Jesus, will you remember me when you enter into your kingdom? And Jesus does one better and says, actually, you will be with me when I'm in paradise. He had a moment of faith. He had a cycle of faith in that moment. And in an instant, He's invited to be with Jesus in the kingdom. And what I want us to hear, we all have those things in our life. And maybe you look back and you see a situation and the outcome wasn't what you thought. And there's so much pain and there's so much sorrow and you're trying to understand it. And what I want to encourage us with is crucifixion does not have the last say, resurrection does. Your issues, the things that are crucifying you today, the things that you're suffering in, yes, that's a part of life and that's just the consequence of sin. But what I need you to know and lean into is it's not the final say. Resurrection and new life in you is the final say. Crucifixion is something Jesus went to, but he didn't submit to it. He didn't submit to the fear that I brought in. He said, I'll be back. And so he comes out of the crucifixion with a faith perspective. And not only that, says, I will be back again. And so as we mourn together through life, know that that's not the end. The end is not the cross. That was the beginning of resurrection. And that's the real beauty that Jesus links us into. And so your pain doesn't have the final outcome. Jesus does. And all of us, whether we like it or not, we're, we're called to live in tension, and, and that's just part of what's happening. And so jump into faith. 
It's either faith or fear. And so as we live in tension together, cling to faith. And what I want to tell you is, um, man, I'm speaking from a place of, man, this whole fear thing, this mastered me for a long time. And before I had a relationship with Jesus, I just remember going through life feeling like I was totally in control of everything. I remember like from the outside in, people probably looked and be like, yeah, he's, he's good or he's figuring it out. But I remember feeling so empty, so broken. I remember like going through life and being in different situations and failing and not understanding like, man, is, isn't there more? Isn't there more to this life than just like me just being disappointed or like not knowing what to do or feeling alone when things are broken? And I was just so stuck in that cycle of fear, a constant, oh no, here we go again. Oh no, this is what I always knew would happen. Oh no, I'm reminded of how I'm broken through 17 different people today and so this must be true, this is my identity. And we get caught there. But I wanna tell you, there was a, a defining moment for me, I was 19 and really I just got sick and tired of being sick and tired. That's what happened. And I just was like, you know, God, I'm not able to like live this full life on my own. So I'm just going to give this a shot because what do I got to lose? And I remember just, just surrendering to Jesus and getting down and just, just really making that mark. And guys, I, like there were some things that just broke off of me in that moment. And then there's very much been a journey with other things. But what I want you to hear is I had never known that I could experience life differently. I thought for sure I would die, like always feeling like, man, I, I don't quite know my purpose or this doesn't make sense. And I remember when I had this relationship with Jesus, I'm like, oh my gosh, my eyes are open. I can see now. And what was interesting is physically nothing changed. That's what you need to hear. Guys, physically in my life, nothing changed at all. I still had all the same issues, but it was being filtered through fear. And so everything I did was fear. When Jesus came in, I had a different filter. And I was like going through life thinking, man, like I don't have to just be stuck. Like I have the Lord with me and I know how to navigate this now. Where before it was just all alone. I went from, oh no, to open your eyes. And I wanna, I wanna share a story because I think growing up, I just surrendered to fear. Like if somebody told me I was X, Y, and Z, bad things, I, I would just agree with them and just submit to that. And that just breathed just so much insecurity and just a mess in me and, and that just played out in my life. And I had a moment where when I gave my life to Jesus, I was tested in a similar way and my response was a little different. Um, I, I was studying law enforcement. I was going to be a border patrol agent, uh, but God had different plans. And so I was studying that for a long time, like almost done, and was wrestling with this call to ministry for three years. But I don't have anyone in my family that's a pastor. Like I really didn't understand uh, what it meant to do that. Like I gave my life to Jesus and later found out what salvation meant. Like, it's just, I can't make this up. And I just was so clueless about everything, but I knew God was calling me and I couldn't shake it. And finally year three, I'm like, all right, God, you're clearly asking me to do this. And I don't know how. <laughs> and so I, I reached out to my pastor at the time. Uh, this was on the East side of the state. And I messaged him on Facebook and said, Hey, I'd love to just meet up. 
He said, great. So we meet up. I walk in his office and um, I sit down and I just told him, I said, hey, I like God's calling me to ministry, but I don't know like what to do. I don't know where to start. Um, I know God's calling me. I just need help and direction on, on like how to move forward. Cause you're a pastor, you get that. And he looks at me dead straight. And he says, Cody, you're not called to ministry. He's like, I don't think you're called. That was an oh no moment for me. I was like, well, all right. You know, I just like those unraveling moments. You guys know what I'm talking about? Where it's a situation and you're just, you just feel like my soul's just like leaving my body. It was like, that was the experience, super heavy. I'm like, oh my gosh, like what is going on? Here we go again. All the people that told me you shouldn't do that. You're gonna be broke. It won't make sense. You're, you're gonna have debt up to your neck. Like there's so many things that pointed to don't do that. And in that moment, the temptation was to surrender to that. Yeah, he's right. And he's the pastor, so he knows. And I just started to gather myself, had to pick up my guts off the floor and put them back in. And I just felt like, I felt like God just came in and reminded me, no, I called you. And there was a lot of signs that point to that. You chased after me in scripture and prayer. You chased after me in the local church and I called you, don't forget that. And so in that moment, I was quiet for a while. And so he asked, um, what do you think about that? As I say that, like, what, what do you think? And I looked at him and I said, I respect, I respect you and I appreciate you and I appreciate you being honest, but I said, you're a hundred percent wrong. And that's, here's the deal guys. That was a big deal for me. Cause normally I just submit to the fear and then it's like, yeah, you're right. That was a big deal. I don't think I'd ever done anything like that in my life. I had never stood up to my, myself and what I believed in my life. And the reason I was able to is because I had something in me that I couldn't have on my own. And I told him that, and he said, I'm so glad you said that because if, if I could change your mind in a moment, you're gonna struggle in ministry. He was testing me, what a jerk. That's a, that's a good pastor, honestly. And I'm just so glad that, that God had given me the confidence to respond in that way. Because man, if I responded the other way, that could have been just so, man, that would have just been hard. But I didn't. I had a faith perspective and I really did know. I'm like, God, yeah, you're here. And I don't need the approval. Like I just, I know, I know what you've said and what you've spoken to me. When we pray, God, open my eyes that I may see you need to know that you become a spiritual threat. And so you can plan on a lot of situations and a lot of physical dilemmas, but I need you to know that you're not unprepared. You're not ill-equipped because Elisha, he knew something. He had an army behind him. And although it was invisible to, the, to his enemies, he knew it was there. Church, can I just tell you, you have that? And I think we need to latch onto that and agree with God to say, God, I'm not lacking. I have what I need to fight. And so the invitation is that we would come to the table and we would leave and surrender our oh no moments. And we would step into what God has for all of us that open my eyes, Lord, to go from oh no to open eyes.
And so that's the invitation this morning. Just, just wrestle with that a bit. What are those oh no moments in your life that are heavy, that just rule your day? Can I just tell you, you're not the exception to God's love. I used to believe that all the time. Man, that's for everyone else, but not me. I'll be stuck here. You're not the exception to that. And so whatever oh no moment is in your life, confront it. And there's promise in scripture that God, when we respond to him in faith, that he will gift us with that. So I think there's a couple different ways maybe we can respond in the room. Maybe you're hearing this and you're, you're like me and you're just remembering your, your past and your history. And you're like, man, God, you've been so good. I used to live so defeated, but you've really come in and changed my life. And so maybe, if that's you, maybe you wanna come up here maybe you bring somebody with you and you just wanna present worship to God. Maybe you kneel, maybe you stand in worship, but you really just wanna have a public declaration of like, man, God, you changed my heart. Maybe for others of you, you haven't even gotten into the territory. And I'll, I'll be honest, I'm still digging of the fear in my life. But maybe you're sitting here and you're like, yeah, the fear thing, that's like in a box over here. And I'm like, you know, here. And it's unprocessed. And, and maybe you don't even quite know how to put your finger on it. And so I wanna invite you, man, step out. We got a team in the back um, that wanna pray over you and they wanna pray a open your eyes to the Lord type of prayer. Some of you, you just need an Elisha in your life to pray over you. And so if that's you, go back there. They would love to pray with you. And then maybe for the rest of us, maybe you just need to identify the thing and you need to sit and really sort through what, what's in the way. Maybe you sit in your, your seat or you stand and you just worship and you just ask God, God, what is that thing that's holding me back right now? And if you're online, we hope you respond in the same way. Go to frontlinegr.com slash prayer and we have people that wanna pray and intercede on your behalf in Elisha prayer. And so here's what I would offer and, and just invite you guys into. Whatever it is that God is calling you into, not, not tomorrow, not yesterday, like, like now, like whatever God's calling you into as we go into worship, my encouragement is, I know, I know fear for some of you, it's setting in because it's like, oh, God's asking me to come up front or whatever. Just be obedient. The only thing that matters is what's happening between you and God in this moment. So let's pray. Lord, we trust you even when it's hard. And God, we just come to the table and we come open and honest and say, God, I'm afraid. And I'm sick of living this way. It's exhausting. And God, I thank you that in times of struggle, we can come to the table with you and you meet us and you say, I love you. And I have given you a spirit of freedom, not fear. Lord, we need that. God, I need that. And so God, I just trust that your Holy Spirit is inviting us to respond. And God, when we're obedient, God, I think you just wanna lavish your love on us. And so we receive that and we openly come to you and say, God, thank you in advance for how you're battling with us. 
So Lord, we pray and we come to you full of faith, burying the fear and coming open and honest to you. And all God's people said, amen. Let's worship. We hope this message encouraged you in seeing who God is and who you are in him. If you want to take a next step, visit frontlinegr.com forward slash connect. We look forward to connecting with you there and we'll see you back here next week.